Thanks for listening to the AI and IT Ops podcast brought to you by New Relic. This is episode 11, the express version. For all things application performance management, AI Ops, digital transformation, and more, check out www.apmdigest.com. Our guest today is Andrew Tunal, General Manager of New Relic Serverless and Emerging Cloud Services. And now, your host of the podcast, industry veteran, consultant, and analyst, Andy Thurai. Welcome to the AI and IT Ops Podcast. I am Andy Thurai, founder and principal at thefieldcto.com, home of unbiased emerging technology advisory services. Today, we have Andrew Tunnell from New Relic, who will be discussing an interesting topic, distributed tracing. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thanks. So last time when we were discussing about observability, you brought up this concept, the distributed tracing concept, which is, of course, one of the core elements of main observability, very deep technical topic. I've really wanted you to come in on the podcast so we can you know, discuss about this. So uh, let's start out with this because it's such a heavy topic. Why don't we start out by you explaining to our audience what distributed tracing is and why does it matter for microservices? and container-based workload observability. Sure, yeah. I, you know, I think really it's a reflection of the changing characteristic of what modern software workloads look like. Increasingly, not only do you have services that communicate with external components like databases or third-party services, I mean, that's been around for a long time, really since the advent of web applications, but most companies that are building modern applications are actually building them as composites with many services. And so, you know, it really, frankly, doesn't matter how you architect Protect the underlying infrastructure. You could be building it with small containers on Kubernetes. You could be using Docker. You could be using serverless. You could still be using, you know, bare metal or IIS.NET services. It really, frankly, doesn't matter. But you see this decomposition from a service that was really this routing front end followed by business logic and maybe a data access layer to a bunch of small, individually deployable services. And this is part of the larger microservices trend. And traditional metrics-based instrumentation that observes everything from the center of this monolithic application just doesn't work very well once you have to cross service boundaries. And so if you think about very modern application, let's say it's a web request that hits a managed API gateway from a cloud provider like AWS, and maybe goes into a couple API methods that are driven using Lambda functions, um, which is serverless. And maybe a few of them actually are, they deal with some like object persistence or something. And so they're Kubernetes containers. You can quickly rationalize how like no individual components metrics will give you a very complete picture. And so you need the ability to actually trace through each of these individual components as part of this composite application to understand what's happening. So you mentioned the microservices and container for a couple of times. Is this distributed tracing and and the the other concept we're going to talk about, is it only applicable to containers, cubes-based microservices? Can also the regular services and or monolithic applications use this if they are a distributed application? Yes. Trace libraries contain the ability to trace between threads. They do trace propagation across service boundaries. So, you know, the underlying instrumentation is much the same. It just really provides that parent-child relationship that stitches. There was also nuance we discussed, head-based versus uh, tail-based sampling. What exactly is the difference between the head and tail-based sampling? Yeah, that's that's a great question. So almost 
ubiquitously. Everything that's available to most um, users who are doing distributed tracing, and this is really since the advent of trace libraries, um, has used something called head-based tracing. And which, what this really means is at the head of a request, at the very beginning of a request chain where a series of services are doing tracing, you either have some deterministic property that says, oh, hey, you know, this is a low enough traffic volume, or this is a certain type of request. Or you have a, I'll say, pseudo-random generation concept that says, we're going to trace this request. That's usually a percentile base. So you'll say, we're going to trace through 1% of all the requests that this first service sees. And then it actually propagates context to all downstream services saying, hey, a trace is in progress, so that those services respect the idea of tracing it. And that means 1% of all requests through your distributed systems will get a trace propagated through them. This has you know, a lot of value. It gives you a pretty representative idea of what's happening through your system. So if you want to go look at requests to understand the character of request paths, or what specific requests are doing generally, it's really quite valuable. But it has some obvious downside. And that obvious downside is that because you're making the decision as to whether or not to trace at the very head of the request, you don't actually know the character of the request at that point. You don't know if it's a long-running request, which would be you know, obviously very interesting if you're trying to troubleshoot duration issues. You don't know if an error occurred. And so the, the result is that the cardinality you need of those examples for the specific troubleshooting that you'd want to do doesn't necessarily exist. And if it does, it's it's somewhat luck. Tail-based tracing, on the other hand, introduces this notion of emitting all of the telemetry from the systems that you're examining in its entirety to some sort of collection scheme that then makes a decision as to whether or not to retain it. But the notion is that you send data to this collector and then you have a series of algorithms, um, some of which are adjustable by, by users, some of which aren't. And th those algorithms basically make a decision as to whether or not to retain the data. And so those could be things like an error exists on any measurement, any span within the trace, or the trace itself, or even a span itself falls outside some sort of uh, duration outlier percentile, right? So within the past N traces, this particular trace is in the P99 plus percentile retainer. Or it has a particular attribute that you care about, right? Maybe it's a customer ID that's particularly sensitive. Or maybe it has a new version and some percentile of your traffic is being exposed to a new version of your code and you want to sample it in its entirety for some period of time. All of those types of things could influence a tail-based tracing decision, which says, I'm going to retain this data and index it and make it available for user review. So the result is that, let's say you are troubleshooting a duration problem, you are much more likely to see a number of examples of that particular issue that will allow your brain to then create patterns to understand what's going on. Is one better than the other? And, and more importantly, which one is the most commonly used in, in the observability systems right now? Head-based tracing is by far the most commonly used. Almost every vendor in the space by default has head-based tracing. There are a few, including New Relic, that offer tail-based tracing solutions. There is, there's even some like 100% retention solutions floating around. My belief is that like 100% retention solutions that largely contain data that's duplicative of data that you're already storing in logs are just top prohibitive and not all that useful for data you're unlikely to look at.
I think the challenge for tail-based tracing, broadly speaking, has always been the, the technical implementation of it. The most solutions that existed in the market segment essentially pushed the burden onto users themselves to figure out how to actually manage the infrastructure to collect this volume of data. And they gave them you know, a, a container image or something that had the algorithms built in, but in large part, right, it didn't contain any of the redundancy, failover, automated clustering, things that you know actually make it a robust system and if you view this type of telemetry as critical telemetry forensic telemetry for your engineers to be able to troubleshoot issues not having things like the ability to fail over gracefully and still handle data without a lot of loss becomes pretty problematic. And so adoption, you know, I think is, is has been fairly slow, tail-based tracing technologies, and that's in large part why we kind of took a different tactic. The AI and ITFs podcast will be back shortly. I'm Pete Golden, the publisher of APM Digest, and I just want to take a break for a minute to talk to you about New Relic, the sponsor that brought you this podcast today. New Relic has done something a little out there. They reworked everything. See, they've been actually listening when people talk about blind spots or being stuck with a dozen different tools or getting hit with hidden costs. First, they went open source, making it so you can actually instrument what you need. Then they made it so you can monitor your whole stack in one place, including serverless. You can use telemetry data from any source for ridiculously cheap, and there's one UI with all your tools. And they completely changed their pricing so you can easily predict it. This is advantageous because who has time to troubleshoot their bill? Best of all, there's a free tier with one user and 100 gigabytes per month, totally free. So you can really make sure it works before you pay a dime. New Relic is definitely worth another look. Check it out at newrelic.com. Observability made simple. And now back to the podcast. So does having different algorithms help with the scenario? Meaning uh, the AI and ML is, is becoming, you know, big time theme here in the IT apps. Can it make a dent here? If so, what can it do to improve the situation? That's a good question. So I, I think there are two components. I mean, one, we made the choice to have kind of several algorithms in play to, to get data that we think is meaningful to customers. And so we chose to have a few duration selection algorithms that largely cluster data and then pick outliers. We have a default algorithm that just picks errors. So it samples 100% of traces that contain a span with an error. And then we had a, a pseudo random request generation path, which just took a, a set percentile of, of requests. And I think for most customers, that works out nicely. I will say on the topic of scale, we have some customers that operate at really impressive scale. For one of their workloads, as an example, uh, they might generate 100 million spans a minute, which is a lot of data. I mean, that's roughly 50 gigs-ish of data a minute that's coming through that edge pipeline. So, you know, even if we sample, you know, 1% of random data and... 3% are duration outliers and half a percent are errors. I mean, that's still like almost 5% of traces that will get sampled, which turns out to be a lot of data, right? And in terms of span volume, it's actually overweight relative to percentages because things that have errors, you know, tend to like accrue a lot of retries, which contain spans. Things that uh, are duration outliers might go down a service path that has like an N plus one query. So there's a lot of data getting generated. But, you know, the result is that I think there's no good or bad. There's what's the baseline and then what can customers do to make it better? Okay, so this is all sound very 
uh, how should I put that, very theoretical for someone listening. Can this fit into a, say, multi-cloud, hybrid cloud scenario to some of the, the mess we are in now? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think what one of the, uh, this, I guess this is not so much specific to tracing as a tool, because I think tracing is pretty ubiquitously now seen as part of the core telemetry for folks who are doing observability. But, you know, I think the solutions around tail-based tracing, the solutions around tracing from a vendor perspective, really do help tell a multi-cloud story. If you look at the vendor proprietary kind of trace collection endpoints, whether it's X-Ray or, or formerly Stackdriver or other others, they're very specific to telemetry generated from kind of the managed services that exist on the cloud provider or a, a thin SDK that is formerly not even been that been open standards has been somewhat proprietary for customers individually instrumented services. So it's individual collection points. My personal bias is that I don't think it would be wise for most customers to do multi-cloud workloads. The fact is we do see customers who have hybrid cloud deployments and multi-cloud deployments where they're operating different parts of their business or they're operating different geographic workloads on different cloud providers or on-premises. The ability to kind of locally collect data and then send it to a centralized provider like New Relic or any one of the other providers that are in the space is it's pretty important for you to be able to get that single pane of glass into all of your workloads across your business. I was actually in a briefing today with the vendor as my other role as an analyst, and they were talking about, um, this is one of the other um, observability tools. Uh, multiple times they talked about in-depth instrumentation. Wondering what does it even mean? Uh, are there other kinds? I mean, how is that any different than uh, say, light instrumentation? That's a great question. I would categorize like light instrumentation as kind of general metrics measurements, maybe data between endpoints, just measurements of general error rate or throughput for a single service, whereas in-depth instrumentation really gives you some of that, that high cardinality. Specific to tracing, it is very specifically in-depth instrumentation. The Most of the, the out-of-the-box tracing libraries that are becoming standardized in the industry have kind of a general series of measurements, but they also provide a whole bunch of APIs for you as an engineer to use to actually do more to instrument your code and get more depth. And when we're talking about trace data as a telemetry type, so spans and the underlying traces, that level of depth really is what's meaningful, right? I mean, you're looking for the different characteristics of similar requests so that you can identify what's different or why in this particular instance, this request path results in a, a longer running duration or an error. But how can this help the uh, hyperscaling and or serverless environment though i mean is is it useful at all in that scenario because almost everybody's moving to that ish environment now yeah you know i mean i think it, again this goes back to why tracing in general is useful right it's serverless and i would say like you know the micro and even more so nano services trends mean that you have more and more things that just don't get captured by that service centric measurement lens where you see the next service outbound that you're making the request for you see that there's a duration problem, but you can't understand what's kind of underneath the hood. Tracing gives you that, right? It gives you that path through all of those child services so that you can see what's causing the issue. These problems have existed a long time, but you know, there are certain problems that you can only see with like high cardinality information. And you know, a good example is like an N plus one query where you see a metric that has a SQL update as an example that shows it as taking a big chunk of time. And until you actually generate the underlying telemetry of each update statement that got made and understand that it was making 150 update statements instead of 
of consolidating them. As part of a downstream service, you don't understand that it's the, the actual query creation that was the problem, not you know like an index problem or something like that. Awesome. Thanks so much, Andrew, for that great conversation. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. So you heard from Andrew. Do you agree, disagree, or if you have an opinion, let me know. Let's discuss this further. Also, if you'd like to be part of our podcast, let me know as well. Until next episode, so long and stay safe.